Hey everyone, Jeremy here, and on today's episode of 10 Years Out, I'm speaking to John Beale, who is an actor, stage combatant, fight choreographer, and blood and gore designer. He's been in over 22 productions at the Lyric Opera of Chicago and has choreographed fights for the Paramount Theater, Theater Wit, Timeline Theater Company, Sideshow, Mercury, Broken Nose, among some 20 plus other theaters. We've been in overlapping career and friend circles for years, and so it was great to get to know him a little better. So I thought we would just start with sort of the question I tend to start with with everybody, of like, what brought you to this moment? Um, and you can take us sort of on any tangents you want to but um like you you and i are sitting here right now um and uh how did we get here you know it's funny like how 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 far back to go you know that's right, re- right. relevant sure sure sure, like, sure. Um, birth go from no i came <laughs> chicago is probably the best place Great. to start right i sure. came here for school i went to uh columbia college chicago um with a bunch of fellow you know or uh, friends of mine um Actually, there's, a, there's three or four of us that actually came from Kansas City um, up here to Columbia College to be actors, performers. I was drawn to Second City um, and did that for a while. Anyway, um, went to school for performance for theater and kind of in school uh, developed like a love and a passion for kind of like I, I thought I just wanted to do comedy, you know, because uh-huh. I was like, you know, some, you know, dumb high school kid. DC Second City improv, you know, sure. was like, I want to be famous, right? I uh, did the did the semester in Second City, got totally burnt out on it, and be, and um, uh, developed a love for like stage combat. I actually just kind of fell into sort of the luck of the school I went to. I didn't know I was going to um, a school with one of the biggest armories in the Midwest uh, oh, for no stage way. combat, and also my teacher, my mentor, uh, David Woolley, is one of like the seven fight masters in the United States. So it was like, I kind of fell into like this, oh, I, you know, stage combat's cool. And I sort of take, took some classes, got pretty good at it, was like, you know, I'm a very physical guy and I had a lot of physical comedy sort of like um, hopes. And then that physicality kind of translated into stage combat. And mm. so I started doing a lot of that. And you're able to get certified there, you know, in school. So I got certified in these nine weapons and I kind of pursued that a little bit um, as well as the acting and sort of Shakespeare on the side, kind of the more classical. So I kind of developed like a little bit of a different trajectory in college. Like I kind of showed up thinking I was going to be doing comedy. Mm. And of course, just like everything in life, you kind of morph and it became something else. Um, story of my life, which is like, you know, I'm always adapting and trying to figure out like kind of what I'm good at. Um, and then right out of college, so out of school, um, kind of the first big show I got was with the House Theater as a sword fighter, you know, their big production of Cyrano, which was super fun. And that kind of like set me off in that way too, where I kind of like, hey, this stage combat thing's a lot of fun. Mm. I really enjoy it. I'm, I had a, I guess, sort of a natural talent for it, a knack for it. So I started pursuing stage combat more and fight directing more. Um, and that turned into blood and gore design a little bit more. It kind of like... You know, when you're right out of school, you're doing shows for, I mean, you know, back then you were doing shows for nothing. You know, like, no, it was all for exposure, for whatever. I've quit so many jobs. I've worked, like, you know, so many three or four month gigs in between shows. And um, that also led to, like, uh, me doing a lot of shows at the Lyric Opera Chicago because they needed, like, fighters for something or they needed bodies. And mm. I was good at moving. So I got a friend of a friend I knew 
doing a show, some Shakespeare show, got me an audition for a show at the Lyric. And then I got, once you're in um, a show there, you kind of join their union. And once you're part of their union, oh, okay. then they like to rehire you because they know, oh, he's in the union. He's a part of, it's called AGMA, which is American Guild of Musical Artists, which is funny because I don't sing, but no one knows that. They look at my resume and they're like, oh, look at all these, look at these 22 operas you've done. You, you must sing really well. I'm like, I don't sing at all, actually. Don't mention it. Uh, so I've had a lot of, a lot of really funny audition uh, miscommunication um, about me coming in and like, hey, so, uh, you know, you're here for the show. We actually have a musical coming up. Can you sing 32 bars? We see all this opera. I'm like, actually, I can't. So thank you very much for that. Um, so right now I kind of find myself in this position of like, you know, I've, I've actually found more success in the past three to four years as a stage combatant and fight director mm. more so than an actor. Did, was Columbia the right choice? Gosh, who knows? Um... It's a hard question. Mm. I'm going to say it was the right choice, and here's why. Because, yes, I'm going to say yes to your question. I had some great mentors. I met some great people. And the good thing about Columbia is it wasn't a... You weren't... It, your accolades and your success wasn't built on how well... Like, what your grades were. It was kind of like you had to get out what you put in. Like, mm. you had to do show, You had to go out to audition. You had to do shows. You weren't getting really paid for. Um... You had to step in and do roles like you had to be stage manager. You had to build props. That's how I learned how to make blood. It was like, we did a show called The Vampires, and they needed to be a lot of blood. And we're like, we don't have a blood budget. What can we use? Uh-huh. Oh, here's a recipe for peanut butter, peanut butter blood I found from Lindsay Gavel, which is a, another friend of mine who was like, you know, she was older and had done fight stuff, and there was violence in it, and I thought it was cool. And they're like, so I asked her, I was like, what's a good blood recipe that we yeah. can use that washes out of clothes, right? For the, so the costumes could be, you know, reused. Um, and another reason I say that is because I didn't spend a ton of money on, on school. It was actually relatively cheap to live in Chicago, which is great. Uh-huh. Um, I've been, the reason I say that is like I've known people who have you know, went to undergrad at Northwestern or undergrad at NYU who you come out of school, you have nothing to show for it. It's like you have that degree, mm-hmm. but I think that you know as much as I do. Like A degree doesn't really mean much when it comes to performance. Like You could have a, you know, a master's from NYU. But if your audition stinks, you know, then it's like the ta- you have to you have to have the talent to back it up. Right. And I've never had anyone look at my resume for if I'm auditioning for you know the Joffrey or auditioning for Goodman or whatever, and see like, oh, Columbia College Chicago, can I see your tra- like? Can I? They don't care about that. They care about your professional work resume. That's great, and I appreciate the the vulnerability around like you don't know. We don't. We don't. We don't, don't I mean, none of us know. Yeah. and that's that's also a true statement of like. I mean, maybe it doesn't. Maybe it doesn't matter. But I feel like the like the uh, I appreciate you sort of digging into the inquiry Reddit because like that yeah. feels like well, how, what do we make of the things that uh-huh. ultimately we can't necessarily control? Yeah, I I think that I would say it, it's to me it was like it's not about the right school. I think it's the right place, the right city. Like so, it's like hey, did you go to the right school? It's like I don't know if I went to the right school, but I feel like I was in the right place when I needed to be. What are some uh, memories of post-grad life that felt like they are, you know, resonate with you now when you look back? Post-graduation was, was great, except the you know, money. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I mean, some of the, you know, the memories that come to mind is like, 
you know, having twenty dollars in the bank account and trying to get like texting your dad for pizza money, you know, when you're twenty one or twenty. Um, those are early, but I think that post graduation life was pretty great. I think the best part about it was having that like you didn't have the pressure to be successful right away. Mm. You had like some people go away, you know, to Europe or they you know, if they travel or whatever. For me, it was like, I'm going to start messing around and doing shows and doing weird things and going to open mics and going to performances and doing, you know, Mary Archie's, you know, Abby Hoffman Fest and, and fooling around, which is uh-huh. obviously, but like doing those crazy things and you don't, you don't need to make a lot of money because you're not in your 30s and have a family and kids and, you know, house and mortgage. It's like, I think the best thing about post-graduation was that that uh, freedom from pressure to have all the answers and to have the stability that you search for later in your like late 20s, early 30s. I think that's what I remember the most is like having that freedom of like, hey, I'm working this, I'm, do, you know, I'm doing Shakespeare in the Park in the summer. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to be in Romeo and Juliet, but I'm also working at apartments.com. You know, it's and so I remember like those summer days of like you go to your nine to five, but you know you're gonna like rehearse till eleven o'clock mm. later that night, and then you're gonna do that for for two or three months, and that's okay. And then afterwards, uh-huh. it's over, sure. and then you quit your job because it was a temp job, like they all were back then, or the show's over, and then there's no next thing. And yeah. that's the I think that was the beauty of post post college was having that like oh I can hop around and and poke around and do these certain things without at least I didn't have the pressure to like oh I need to be successful right away or oh I need to um make all the money and buy the house yet you know totally I feel like um I'm still working on that skill of being able to like here's a new chapter you don't have to figure it out and that's exactly what I'm going through right now right Right. it's like once the thing ends and I think that there's that stability that stability that you don't crave as much early on at least mm. for me I didn't I wasn't like um, not so much as I do now you sure. know now it's like you know some say you have more responsibilities you have a car you've got payments you know it's like oh well I back then I was riding my bike and I was like gigging and doing fun work and you know uh, getting hit with like I think one of my you know out of all the crazy jobs I did was like I um, a friend of mine was Billy the Bull for the Chicago Bowls, you know, and he was like, "Hey, we need. We're having a, a gag during like one of the breaks between quarters where Billy the Bull is gonna hit some guy in the in the face with a pie, and we're, we'll pay you two hundred bucks. We get nice tickets to the the show, uh, or not to the show, to the game. See how I, <laughs> that's how I think, right? Uh, you get great tickets to the show, the, yeah, bas- sure. the basketball the, the, show, the basketball show. Uh, you so, know, I didn't, it didn't even strike me. I was like, oh, that's oh, what yeah, it's the called. Basketball. Yeah. the basketball performance." <laughs> So I was like, you get nice tickets, and all we gotta do is hit you in the pie, and we'll record you. And then like, so I brought my buddy, you know, and we got these nice tickets. They gave us like, you know, food thing, you know, food tickets or whatever. And just during one of the things, I was on my phone, and Billy Bull came behind me, hit me in the face with a pie really hard, and I chased him off, and like that was that was it. But it's like, you do things like that, yeah. but now you know, it, you, it's just not as um, fulfilling to do all those little sure solo gigs, you know? Yeah, but. How I miss that freedom. Did you were, were there any sort of um, keys for you to make that work when you were uh, graduating, or any sort of rules that you lived by in terms of 
um, yeah. what you yeah I think that I think one of the biggest things I remember which is like theater and performing was I was never motivated by money uh huh you know, ooh, it's, it's, you know, it's funny saying that now because you know, to the recession, you know, everything. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but I was never motivated by money, and mm-hmm. I remember telling my my parents that, and my my friends that, um, if there was a show, even though it wasn't paying, you know, like I mean, like I remember I was like, you know, working for, I think it was like Argo Tea or something, mm-hmm. whatever. Sure. And there was a show, and they're like, hey, we, you know, it, I think it was an opera. It's like, yeah, sure, it's going to be two or three months of work, but after that's over, and then that's it. Um, and I was like, okay, I, so I quit Argo T, even though that was like, you know, that could have been a stable, stable job and it could have paid out more in the long run. Sure. See, the, sh- the short term was a show, paid, but it was artistic. Yeah. It was performance, it was theater, that's what I wanted to do. Everything else could be sacrificed in terms of jobs. Yeah. You know, like, I was like, oh, well, you know, I just buy, you know, Argo, I'm going to go do this opera for a few months. Or like I was working as a personal trainer. I just got certified as a personal trainer to kind of like, you know, more flexible schedule job kind of thing. Uh-huh. So working for a gym, super nice. Been there for like six months. I think it might have been like eight, right? It was almost a year or whatever. And I was like, great, I'm going to go do, you know, Othello at the Lyric. Bye. And they're like, yeah, how? Oh, great. It's a great, it's a great job. How long are you going to be there? I'm like two months. But that's mm-hmm. it, you mm-hmm. know? This, it, does, it didn't matter what it was or for how long it was like. I gotta go do this other thing. Sorry, sure. I'm off to I'm off to work. Bye, everybody. Yeah. So that was one of the rules I kind of live by, that I can think of. Is opera gigging like a good thing to consider? Well, for when performers? you're when you're in your early twenties, early uh-huh. mid twenties, it's a great gig. Okay. Because you're making a decent amount of money per week because it's union. It's union, so it's like it is union. Yeah, so it's, you're, it's okay. union show. You're making you know more money than I would be making doing part time work. Sure. So it's like it's like for and for an that's a big paying job. Uh-huh. You know, and for a while, which was pretty funny, which is the love and hate relationship I have with the lyric, right? Not the lyric itself, but the job. Opera and theater are kind of in two different worlds, uh-huh. and people aren't going to see the lyric opera for John Beale as Devil Number One, sure. or you know, some bit or some some secondary part or some uh, sword fighter. As fun as that is for me, yeah, to be up there and have these cool roles and be covered in blood sometimes and stuff. Um, people. I think got more other actors were getting more attention and helped their career more doing a storefront show, getting paid nothing, but mm. being written up and seen by Chris Jones and casting directors and seeing their work as performers and seeing like, you know, their storefront production of Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, where they may not have gotten paid any money, but yeah. an, a casting director saw their amazing performance and now they were Stuart and they're making more progress with that agency and they're, they're getting, you know, but, and at the Lyric, I kind of got stuck into the, oh, well, they're paying really, really, they're paying me really well for now. Sure. But I never got written up. My name has ever put in any reviews. My mm-hmm. no casting director came and saw and was like, man, that soldier did a great job. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give him a, a role. And so if I would go back now, I would say, hey, John, which is funny because I just said I'm never motivated by money. And that's the one time I kind of was. And it was super fun. Yeah. I've worked with some great people, and I have met, I will say, it's not all for not. Like, I've, sure. I met some great actors I still work with now to do stunt stuff. Um, and some, I had great relationships with, you know, stage managers who call me every once in a while. So it wasn't for nothing. Yeah. But th- sometimes I have that regret of like, oh, if I had a opportunity to be in some hypocrite show and do this bit part, even though it was like, it may not have been a lot of lines or it may not have, it may have been like a supporting role I probably would have gotten more attention mm. 
doing that than the other. How did uh, combat direction, how did that, where did that happen? How did that happen? Yeah, that kind of happened from necessity. Okay. I, that was one of those things, same with the blood and gore design thing, uh-huh. which is I was doing a show and they needed, you know, of course this is, you know, some storefront show, whatever. They're like, hey, we have a couple moments of violence in the show. We don't have a fight director. Oh, John, you have some experience doing it. Why don't you step in and do it? I said, okay, fine. Then it happened a couple times. And then I do another show or like I get a call from a cast member or a director I worked with was like, hey, John, remember how you did... We did the show together. I'm looking for a fight director. I know you. Mm. Why don't you come in? And then that kind of grew. And then I started assisting other people too. I think like um, in school I met like a, a couple other stage combatants. Um, Ryan Bork was one of them who lives in New York now. And he was doing a show. He's like, hey, I need an assistant because I'm going to be out of town for tech or whatever. I need a little bit of help. Mm-hmm. Why don't you come assist the show? And then I'd assist. But then I'd be there for most of tech or whatever and then when someone would call Ryan he couldn't do it he'd suggest me and then I'd get that call so then I started being you know not the assistant anymore I'd go in and do it mm. and then I saw so you kind of like sort of tiptoe into the water and eventually it's like oh and I think for um, same thing with the blood and gore thing I was doing all our tragic which was this 12 hour you know show that the hypocrites did back like in 2000. You know, 16 or 15 or something like that. It was like, you know, this epic thing that happened to get a lot of press attention at the time, but they didn't have a blood and gore designer. And I was the assistant fight director. And they're like, John, you know a little bit about blood. And I mm. said, sure I do. Which is like, oh. <laughs> like, why don't you do it? And then I kind of really, that was a trial by fire uh-huh. of like me learning on the way and learning during rehearsal. And they couldn't pay to hire an extra blood and gore expert. So while we were doing fight call upstairs, you know, We'd run fight call, then I'd be down in the basement making blood and um, for hours, you know. But I think the point was, too, is, like, I was willing to do it yeah. without getting paid anything. Sure. And then that kind of gave me the experience, and then that happened to get good press. And then someone was like, wow, there's a lot of blood in that show. It was really good. Who did it? That's a theme that comes up a lot is just consistency and, like, being... Relationships. Yeah. Yeah, building relationships. Mean, just, relationships right, right, being... Being pleasant, being around, uh, showing up, really yep. showing up, yep, and uh, and caring, caring, absolutely, uh, and it sounds like uh, patience too, of like being 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 willing to do some of the things. Oh yeah, right. That oh, yeah. are not getting paid, or and and knowing that some of that. I mean, right. Like, um, I'm interested in your thoughts about. I mean, because there is. I feel like uh, as theater makers, sometimes we're taken advantage of, and that's not great either. Absolutely, but like, I what's think, that? Yes. You know, yes. And I was, I we talk about this with my friends all the time. Yeah. Of like, what's the difference between taken advantage of and, like, you know, I said like I wasn't getting paid, in, and I know that a lot of people are gonna be like, oh, I can't believe you weren't paid. Like that's just so disrespectful. It's like you know what, you're kind of right. Mm-hmm. But also, I don't know if I, I'd, I'd be where I was now, if I didn't take those risks. And do the thing without asking for like more money, without like sure. And which is, I think there's a difference between sticking up for yourself and like knowing your worth. Yeah. And also trying to learn, and also trying to be a part of something, whatever that may be. Tell me about uh, like sort of experiences that feel meaningful. Um, it can be as an actor, but also um, as a choreographer, um, 
what what uh, I don't know what gets you excited about that kind of work or what you're doing. I think the reason that I like fight direction more and more, and the reason why I think that I one of the reasons that it kind of makes me good at it, yeah, is that I was an actor first, mm. and that I know both sides of the table. Like I've been in production meetings till you know one a one thirty a.m. after previews, fixing stuff and talking the production, talking the costumes and stuff. But I've also been on stage and know what the actors are going through. I love working with actors mm-hmm. for shows. And a couple times, like, I mean, when I did the show Timeline, it's called Cardboard Piano. And really great show. And it was, but it was really gritty. Very, the violence in it was very real. So it had to be real. The audience was right there. And there was a lot of really intense, you know, moments with, like, real tears. And, like, and, but, you know, I, and that kind of goes back to the safety of, like, I had to really, I really felt like me, the actors and I worked together so closely because it was such a visceral reel and I was, I was really proud of that and I remember that so well because I remember talking to the actors during the production and after and they're being like we really appreciate all because I spent a lot of time with them like yeah. I, I'd go in you know during tech and talk to them backstage like things that kind of go, goes to the point of like did I have to stay after to do these extra things so I kind of went over um my I guess what initial responsibilities sure sure to because I cared I was like I yeah. like this show. I really believe in the story it was a great story and they were doing fantastic and I was like I want to help enhance this and it, violence was such an important part of that story that I felt like it needed that extra attention and I remember talking to the actors during and after and them saying like we really appreciate all the time and the the care but I think that what I get the most fulfillment out of are those experiences where the violence in, in the story are are important and it really does make it it makes a difference you probably work with a lot of directors right and are there mm-hmm. things that directors can do uh to help your job at all absolutely i love working closely with the directors mm-hmm. some directors don't have time sure you know like for doing a big big show big musical there's not a lot, of, especially with the like the equity companies. You know, you only have so much rehearsal time. Yeah. You know, you only have so many times with the actors. You only have so much time. I'm allowed on stage to work with people. It's like you have 30 minutes to do this thing. Great. That was not time on cover piano. Like that was like, you have 30 minutes, and then I, you know, I would I would stay after if they needed me, kind of thing. But some people are very strict about it. Sure. Um, directors are the most helpful when they're able to tell you what they want in terms of the scene. Mm-hmm. I want, you know, the power shift to be here. I need them to get on this side of the stage. I need, you know, this person to use this prop in this way. Great. We'll get there. Lots of different ways. Because uh-huh. I like to come in and I don't have a set. I may have like some set maybe ideas or, or physical pieces, but I work really closely with the actors to do that because you'll come in with an idea of like, you know, I want you to throw this punch and they go, I have a bad shoulder. I can't throw a punch with that arm. Or I can't go to my knees, which is a big thing. Mm. I can't go to my knees. I feel uncomfortable with people around my neck. I don't like my hair being, you know, touched. Fantastic. You have to work around all that stuff. Sure. There's no, very rarely have I ever gone in successfully with like, here's all this choreo. It's going to change. Yeah. You don't know, like in the room, who you're, you know. I I think directors are, the, the looser they are and the tighter they are, it's like it's almost like in that in that direction of like if they're too loose then they go I don't know someone needs to get hurt 
you go, okay, and then you you choreograph something, and you go, oh no, not like that. And mm. You go, well, you should have told me. You sure, know, like sure. so the looser they are, the more frustrating because there's a thousand ways for this thing to happen. Yeah, and the tighter they are, the harder it is because they'll go. You know, I was working on a show not too long ago. I don't want to say when, um, but it's like I want this like hit, hit, hit in this way, and then you work with the actor and they just can't do it for whatever reason. Like sure. they're left-handed or they're shorter than the actor standing in front and sight lines don't work. And then you try to do something else and the director's frustrated because they go, oh, well, I wanted this to happen just like this. Yeah. And you go, oh, well, that just couldn't happen because the, for whatever reasons in the set or sight lines or whatever. So that's where I think the directors are the best to work with when they have that happy medium of like, hey, here's my dream. We'll have a slap, we'll hit here. I want this scene to feel like this. And then they end up, you know, in this way. You go, great. Totally. The, my, one of my favorite uh, quotes of all time uh, from my undergrad um, is, hold on tightly, let go lightly. Yeah, exactly. And that's like, I'm always and that's a great rule for everything. Right? Yeah. You know? yeah. 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 It's like if, that. You, yeah, if you, if they have these expectations about what it has to look like exactly in their head, just like with anything, you're set up for disappointment. I got a couple more questions. One of them is, what are you working on now? What's exciting now? What are you looking forward to? Doesn't have to be theater either, because I think that's a big part of, um, I don't know, at least my life is like, I keep go I go back and forth all the time. I yeah. feel like I'm constantly being like, love theater, doing, focused on my life outside of theater. Well, the problem with, I like to think of it like the best analogy I had were these pillars. Your life uh-huh. is built on pillars, mm. right? And if you put all of your, if you put your whole life on top of the one pillar of theater and it's taken away, it all falls down. Yeah. And for me, I just realized that I had put all my self-worth and all my sort of like, because I think the pandemic really freaked us out. Sure. Where everything went away, yeah. all of our pillars got removed. You yeah. Know? So yeah. then... We're scrambling, you know, trying to trying to build up whatever. And I, I, I got a couple, you know, I was doing an opera in the in the spring, and then I just did two shows. Uh, I fight directed two shows, and one of them just opened last week. But now it's over. Oh, well, the show the show is open, but my job is over because now that the show's sure, open. Sure, yeah. It's like they're, you know, my work is done. So now I have no theater, no fight gigs lined up. And last week I had this great identity crisis of like. Everything's over. I've got nothing coming up. I'm a failure. Because I don't have anything. But that, you know what? I remember back... The thing how this life works too is I could get a call next week and go into rehearsals. Like, that's how the opera works. It's like, you you have an audition on Thursday. You book it on Friday. You start on Monday. So I'm trying to help my own brain comfort my own self and thinking like okay even though everything's over now it's gonna be okay yeah. which is a great lesson that we're all i'm continually learning but nothing is on the way right now i think is but but and this is another piece of advice that i probably would have given my younger self is and don't be afraid to invest in yourself in terms of classes and other skills that you may learn like i'm probably gonna take an archery class or i'm looking at taking up i'm i might i might sign up for a triathlon today you know it's like that's coming up in august it's like there are these other things that again there's also i'm starting to take boxing classes which translate into fight choreography you know posting his videos or whatever of me doing boxing so even though 
it's not directly related to theater. I'm trying to think of like, oh, are there workshops you could be taking? Or even though, and it's hard to spend the money on yourself because mm-hmm. I'm terrible at spending money on myself. But I'm I'm looking forward this summer to like doing something different, taking classes, um, investing, trying to invest in myself is my theme, whatever that means. It could yeah. be, you know, taking a walk in a park for three hours for no reason because I'm terrible at sitting still. It could be. I'm doing a. Po- I'm trying to start a podcast with my brother. It's like trying to do that, trying to take those risks. So, yeah, I think one of the. I feel like one of the the best skills actually theater people develop is that ability to somehow cope with sort of those moments of life where it feels like things aren't happening or mm-hmm. we're in a dry spell or we have to sort of have that existential crisis. I feel like some people I know right really in other fields don't have to have as many of them. Exactly. Sometimes that means that they hit harder when they hit Uh because I feel like we all have several major existential crises over the course of our lives, right? We may have them more often. Yes. But they're not as big. Yeah, right. I do. I mean, sometimes I I try to remind myself that in moments where I'm like, I don't have any work. And just having that, it's that constant reminder. of Like, I I tell my friends that. My friends tell me that. Mm. It's something that is never... You deal with better. It never goes away. You just kind of learn how to rebound quicker. Do you feel like um, your community, um, you mentioned friends, like is that a, is that important in sort of keeping you grounded in it, committed to the work, or are there other things that, that are sort of help help you in those moments where there isn't a lot of work or you yeah, don't feel... I'm trying to be better about it. Yeah. I, I do think, again, going back to the pandemic and why things have sort of shifted is... The sense of community, I think, was a lot stronger for me, and I think for everybody, mm. like, two years ago. Mm. Like, when I was doing, you know, I was doing this, like, you know, the ring cycle, the lyric, and there was, like, 12 of us, and we'd worked for four years to get this show, like, because we did one, it's a four-part opera, we did one part every year, mm. and um, as a group of 12 of us, and so we'd work together for five or six months every year, it was, and we have our buddies, we have our community, we have our theater people, and it all went away. And when you're not around people and you don't have that physical contact, yeah, things really do dissipate. At least for me, because I'm a very much an in-person kind of person. Yeah. And so I'm trying to rebuild that community, and that's another theme for this summer. Is like, I have my friends. I make good friends that I talk to. Um, I do have some some really good artist friends that have been supportive, and I need to get back to making art with them too. What is the best and worst advice that you were given? as a young person coming out of undergrad? The best piece of advice, I think about this a lot, mm-hmm. and this is from Sheldon Patinkin, who was the head of our theater department at Columbia College. His piece of advice was, better an asshole than a chicken shit. <laughs> and the point of that was, he was great. So it was just Sheldon's the best. <laughs> Love you, Sheldon. Um, the point is, it kind of goes back to the risks of like, better an asshole than a chicken shit, which is better you take the risks and may, may you may piss someone off. You kind of spoke to this earlier about like, taking those risks and throwing those things to the wall and one of them is bound to stick or something's able to come from some of it. You may not know. Yeah. And so that's the piece of advice that I wish I would adhere to more, which is like, take those risks, be an asshole. Sometimes I'm not like, you know, jerk, obviously I'm not, not rude, but like take those risks and be big sometimes and say yes to things with the risk of pissing people off or yourself off. Mm. Um, the worst piece of advice is 
you have to be able to do a little bit of everything. It was like, I think that back in, you know, 2011, 2012, it was like, you have to be able to sing and dance and act and do all these things. Like, it was like kind of like, you know, you, it's a, you have to go wide and narrow. Like, you want to be able to be the Renaissance person hmm. of being able to do... You want to be in a show, and this is, you know, it's still kind of true, but, like, you got to be able to sing, dance, play an instrument, everything. And to me, I really found that not to be true, where, actually, if you're more specialized, and you're either really good, either really good dancer, then you'll probably get more work than the other. Or if you're a really good singer, the, the thing is, too, they'll plug you in. Like, I've, you know, I've done shows where it's, like, Hey, there's a big there's a big show. This person guy has a lot of fight choreography. Well, guess what? They're a fantastic actor. Teach him how to fight, or they're a fantastic dancer. We're gonna teach him how to sing. Or you know, it's I think that for me, I've seen more people get work and consistently, especially now that we're older. Mm-hmm. When you're more specialized, mm-hmm. when you are the go-to person for this, you are the go-to dramaturg. You are the go-to actor. You are the go-to lighting designer projectionist right it's like i find now that you if you're really good at one thing and you make yourself really desirable in that one aspect Mm. they will help you along the way with whatever else that needs to be plugged in i don't know if that's bad advice but (laughs) no i i I, I mean I, i think that's great advice i mean i think it's like it's interesting it's like my reaction to that is like absolutely and then right there's something cool about how that probably happens at a different time for everybody right um, and I, th- but. I do think that um, it's good to know how to, how to do a little bit of everything sure. but but the idea is like hey what are you really pa- what do you really love what are you really passionate about dig into that more yeah because that shows also I think another to that point or a quick addendum is like if you're really passionate about it and you really love it and you're really good at it you're going to get work doing it. Um, people can see that. Are there any things we didn't talk about that we probably should have? Any questions I should have asked? I don't think so. I will say that, like, every, and everyone's path is different. Like, I would never have expected that I was going to be doing a ton of operas. Having goals, clear goals, is just as important as um, leaving yourself open to wherever the world may take you. Totally. I think it's a great place to end on. For sure. Thanks, John.